Hey, I'm Waylon. And I'm Allie. Welcome back to the Entrepreneurs Podcast, the podcast for and by women entrepreneurs. Every week, we share insightful and inspiring conversations with women entrepreneurs from around the world. To check out our past episodes and be notified on our future ones, subscribe to us wherever you're listening to this podcast now. Today, we're chatting with Sarah Hutton, co-founder of Drybar, a one-of-a-kind salon focusing on blowout. We are guided by the vision of providing happiness, confidence, and empowerment for all individual hair types in their own shop and at home through their extensive power line. Sarah is also the co-founder of Sweet, a revolutionizing massage experience through their app-based booking system and personalized services. Get ready as we talk with Sarah about product building, polyventuring, and the power within creating meaningful team experiences for a community-based workspace. Hello and welcome back to the Entrepreneurs Podcast. Uh, today we are super excited and honored to have Sarah here with us today and super excited to dive right into her story. We love to ask our guests to start us off. What is something that excites you when you wake up in the morning? Oh my gosh, I just moved to Laguna and I look out at the ocean when I wake up and it's so beautiful. Um, but I also wake up to my daughter's little boy screaming mama. So I get like <laughs> kind of the best of both worlds there. It's like, I can look at that, enjoy it for one second and then I'm on. Um, but her little call for me is super cute. Oh, that's so cute. Even though it's very early. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. And you mentioned that you're a yogi as well. So I'm sure that definitely goes along with the whole vibe and waking up with the sea and all that sort of thing. That's, that's absolutely amazing. Um, absolutely. So for those of you who don't know Sarah, she's the co-founder of Dry Bar and Squeeze. She graduated from Washington University in St. Louis. She's a DJ and investor. She loves karaoke. And she also mentioned she is the mom of Libby. So there's all these amazing things about you from everything you've done from dry bar in the hair industry to squeeze with massage therapy. What is something that people don't know about you that you wish more people did? Oh, wow. I think probably that I'm truly introverted. Ooh, and I, I think I show as an extrovert or present as one in social situations. I do love making people laugh and making people happy. It, it lights me up, but I couldn't do it every single day. Yeah, no, for sure. What was it like being a founder and also knowing that you were an introvert? Was that something that you like learned to be extroverted or had you always been kind of like on and off? So I think something that really drives how I present as an extrovert is mm -hmm. being a subject matter expert or like fully showing up for people. So when I was in those scenarios, I was always there was a task at hand, there was a team mission, there was something to do that made me feel productive. Mm -hmm. But if it was just general time around people, for example, like in college socializing at parties, I would go at like the very last window to enter before it got, you know, <laughs> in the gray zone for some people, uh, just because I would just be like, I get so much more joy out of that quiet time or study time or being productive. And that's just how I've taken on a lot of adult hobbies, if you will, where once, you know, I'm, you know, doing something and feeling like that's a contribution or that's my role. I take so much pride in that. So it kind of doesn't matter how many people are involved, probably the more, the better. I love that so, so, so much. Like, I love how you said adult hobbies too, because I think we think 
like when kids are younger, younger people, you have all these hobbies. I'm into soccer and art and playing and all these sorts of things. But as you get older, there's this fallacy or this narrative that's being perpetrated that when you're older, you have a job and that's, that's your existence. That's what you do. But even from speaking to you now, like you've got so many hats and roles you're playing, not just as a professional, but as just a person who has different hobbies. So I love that you show that, but then you show up for that. You also show up as being a mom, you show up for being a co-founder. So kind of to take us backwards, I would love to hear the starting, the incubation of Drybar, which is a product building. How did you build a story and why did you choose to go for a blowout salon? So I am definitely behind the scenes in terms of the inception of the concept. So mm -hmm. my uh, co-parent, his sister uh, is a stylist by trade. So she had started working uh, in New York, I think just like fresh out of cosmetology school. And she always loved the industry, but she felt like as someone who did all of the finishing work, it's like the cut and color that got all of the attention, but at the end of the day, it was the blowout that made people feel amazing as they walked out. Yeah. So it was, it was her identifying that, you know, this piece of the actual hair experience could just function, you know, standalone. So once, you know, we had kind of partnered, we had partnered with the architect and, you know, came up with the name and all of those little things along the way that like really made it sync up as this is going to be a blow dry only salon concept. We don't even call it like salon is a word that we didn't even end up using. We were the anti-salon because we wanted it to feel cozy and residential and like, you know, the powder room in your house that like you would just want to spend your morning getting ready in. And same thing came into play when, you know, we were figuring out the music, the lighting, all of those things, even the hours, you know, we just, we had, non-traditional salon hours because we wanted the working woman to be able to come in in the morning before work and then also the you know cosmopolitan younger woman to go in before her you know dinner out that night whatever it was so it was um it was really an interesting moment where it really did all come together and once we did open um you know, it was all hands on deck and kind of that's when I came into play because I have no background in cosmetology. I had never even worked at a restaurant. Uh, I did <laughs> have like a job, um, you know, growing up just at a snack bar, but it was just, I did not have that kind of retail experience where both Michael and, and Allie, that's his sister, you know, they grew up with entrepreneurial parents who had their own clothing store in Florida. So this all came naturally to them. And then we all found our way to contribute. I love that. I love the idea of like being able to put together such small parts of an experience to build like a bigger and larger image. So you mentioned you played around with the music, you played around with the lighting. How did you guys kind of conceptualize what you wanted that experience to look like? It was so... Uh, just in real life. There was, there was part of it that was, you know, done prior to having our location. And that was mostly the interior design work. And also that was in tandem with all of the creative branding work that was being done. And the creative branding side of it, we have Ali's now ex-husband, but best friend in the world, Cameron Webb, genius, 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 uh, who was working on that as it was, you know, Ali figuring out 
what tools do I need? What products am I going to use and sell? We didn't have our own product line when we opened. So really everything in terms of the operations of the business and the hair side of it, you know, she was taking on. So, but, but in terms of what it felt like in the space, which I think is, that is like where I, I think all of us had strong opinions and all of us could contribute in our own ways based on whether it was hotels we loved or restaurants mm -hmm. um, that were just our favorite spaces you walked in and you're like, what is in the water here? And that's what I wanted it to feel like every day at Dry Bar. You know, while I was, you know, running around doing things behind the scenes, Allie might have been, you know, managing the front desk and doing someone's hair in that front chair. It just still needed to feel cool and it needed to feel we have this like one of our favorite little tweets is someone said that walking into Dry Bar feels like walking to my best friend's apartment. And it's like, that just gives me the chills thinking about someone feeling that way. And then it's leadership that creates that space as you grow. So you have to be, you know, aligned in terms of, you know, that person's or leader's personal values and the, our company values. That's absolutely amazing. I was going to ask you, so let's say someone has never been to Dry Bar before. They've never heard of this sort of innovative, cozy experience of going to a salon what sort of experience or vibe do you want them to come out? What is that experience? Someone walks into the door, what should they expect to get a dry bar? Yeah, they should expect to get a friendly greeting, someone not asking them if they have an appointment, just like, hi, you know, thanks for coming in. How can I help you today? And, you know, from, from there, you know, if they do end up having an appointment or, you know, it's, it's, a, it's our, our first value is it's the experience. So it really is that at, from every touch point, in the whole shop, making sure that that person feels like they're being attended to, or there is something about that space that makes them very comfortable and want to come back. And for, I mean, for me as a music person who did the sonic identity for the concept, it's like, I, I wanna make sure a great song's playing. Something that just, even if you don't know the song, it just makes you feel good, makes you happy. Um, that is, we, we want our team members to be happy. So it's like, if you're walking, you know, down one of our, we have bars, right? So it's going to be a bunch of, uh, you know, stools lined up and you don't see stylists enjoying, you know, themselves having good conversation, checking in with their, uh, with their guests or, you know, just like joking around, having a good time, you know, creating that like light environment. And I just go back to, you know, whoever the leader is making people feel safe empowered, taken care of. And so if you do that for your people, that that can exist in a space. But otherwise, you know, you've got someone on their feet working with their, you know, arms and hands um, for 30 to 40 hours a week. That's not an easy job. Giving yourself and caring about people, not an easy job. So there was a lot for us to do. I think, and again, comes back to leadership and values. Um, to make sure that that's, that's how it feels. But, you know, you walk into the bathroom, I want you to see like the cute quote on the napkin, you know, it's just, or you get your drink and it's like bottoms up, you know, all of these little creative touches along the way that are like, oh, this is something's different about this place. Um, you know, I enjoy it here. I love that. And I think it's so easy to say like, oh, I want this space to feel comforting. I want this space to feel safe, but actually being able to create that space and create it not only for one dry bar, but also for like an expansion of the brand, um, I think is super, super cool. And like how that's kind of the core value of what you're creating. Um, kind of switching gears, 
but I would love to hear more about how you were able to enter into the hair care space without actually having experience. What was that kind of like for you, especially working with um, Alex, who has that experience? Yeah, so my background was definitely very different. I majored in finance in college. My first job was for Deloitte Consulting. Mm -hmm. I worked on their strategy and operations team in New York and just traveled all the time and then um, got my real estate license and worked on uh, the W condo hotel project in Vegas. Um, wow. We had licensed the brand or the developers had licensed the brand from Starwood. And that was in a really hot time in Vegas. It was like 2006 yeah. and everything was, you know, condo hotel investment, like own a piece of Vegas. That was actually um, one of our taglines, which I always just thought was super cool. But um, I, yeah, I mean, not having a background and not having that, you know, sense of I am contributing because of X, Y, Z. I actually had our first president, she called me a utility unit, which I thought was very funny. Uh, I'm like, I don't know if I take that as a compliment or um, <laughs> so just reflect on my role here. No, but, but the thing is with, with startups and you guys clearly interview a, a number of entrepreneurs, someone has to be willing to do every job. You can't <laughs> in the beginning afford that person for that job and that person for that job and that person for that job. So the four of us, we, we had our, our roles and no one wanted each other's jobs. Mm -hmm. So there was, and because we're all family, there's so much trust already that like, no one would ever do anything to, to hurt the business. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we can fight like family. We are going to care about every single detail because it's our livelihood. It's our future. Right. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we definitely had, had no idea what was going to come out of it. But like, for me as a more of a strategy person and like I I'm like oh I can whip up that spreadsheet or powerpoint or like I that's what I was trained to do or you know we can talk about stocks investing anything like that I'm like that's my background so you kind I don't know I just had to be okay saying I will clean ceilings and baseboards and get drinks for people and get there at 6 a.m and make the spa water and roll the towels and I just you know be humble in those times because look what can happen. Like it's still some form of cross training for something that you don't know is going to come down the line in the future, which I, I don't know. I, I, I loved every minute of my very untraditional path at dry bar, you know, yeah. I think it's amazing, but you mentioned that you had this experience with finance and background, but what is something you think you learned specifically at Drybar, maybe in the business or finance realm that you weren't taught in university or business school? Oof. That, I mean, that there's nothing like a real business. There's no mm -hmm. case study or Harvard Business Review or anything that you're reading and I mean, you need to build those critical thinking skills and mm -hmm. you know, the abil ability to, you know, provide insightful feedback and analysis, but there is nothing like writing your own checks <laughs> and, you know, following up with, with vendors or like what happened. I mean, the pandemic's a perfect example, Absolutely. you know, that's something where I, there was nothing ever in, in anyone's experience on the team. And now we had an executive team of eight people when the pandemic hit, right? So, so now we're just at a different, you know, operational level of expertise 
in, in terms of talent, but, and that was a slow build to even get to a team that size, but yeah, I mean, you're, you need to be able to stay calm in mm -hmm. those moments where it's your real money, real life, real people. And, um, and I've seen people get emotional. I've seen people panic. I've seen people, I, I've, I've seen all of that. And I, I never was exposed to that in my education. And so I'm, I'm grateful for those experiences. And I think it makes me stronger, more nimble. And, and I will think about things, you know, in broader mm -hmm. terms, um, with anything, I think, but I think all of us have learned that lesson at this point, right? Yeah. Um, the pandemic was one, that was an extreme example, but in terms of real things that happened to dry bar, I, I mean, I can give example after example. Um, if you want one, I actually just thought of one that I, I thought, um, you guys might like, you know, when you have an executive team, everyone's mm -hmm. got their lane. Our CFO had a controller who accidentally overpaid, um, an entire market like New York. Wow. So you can imagine what it was like as a stylist to open their check and see that they made more money. And then they're like, woohoo, they're not diving into the details. Mm -hmm. And as leadership, you need to either say, okay, there goes, you know, $120,000. Oh or you have to say, team, we made a mistake. We need to take that money back or, you know, prorate it to your, but like, that's just an intense thing. And then guess what? Yeah. It's not the CFO or the controller who's communicating. The manager, the person who didn't even make the mistake is having to share this message with a team of people who, again, they're, they're living paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. These are, there's no training for this, right? Mm -hmm. So that's just like one example. And if, and everyone feels terrible, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and th the thing is like, I just, I just go back to, you know, you need to be a human being. You'll be empath, you, you, you know, you'll empathize with everyone, but you can't, you're, and as a co-founder, I'm not there with sitting with the managers, you know, like looking someone in the eye, having that conversation. It's just that, that, that was a really good example of we needed to come together as a team Mm -hmm. and you know support each other but it was just that was that was a challenge for sure yeah for sure and I think that no like a Harvard business school or any business school will teach you about those like real life experiences um and yeah I think that one of the things that we hope this podcast can do is just show people that entrepreneurship is really just about like putting that foot forward and not being scared of making mistakes or learning on the way. Um, there's an interesting statistic that says that most of women who feel like they could start a business but don't, um, it's mainly due to factors related to confidence. So um, definitely just hoping that we can kind of boost confidence in that area. Um, well, the thing that's, I don't mean to yeah. interrupt you, but like, you know, the vulnerability trend Mm -hmm. I really hope it's not a trend. I mean, this mm -hmm. is such a great place. It's like, you need this balance of, of, of confidence, yeah. you know, and, and, and the right amount of humility, vulnerability, or being like, I'm terrified too sometimes. You know, it's like, yeah. you know, this is, um, this is not easy. This, and this is why I, I, I will always say, you know, having your like company mission and, mission, vision, whatever you want to call it, but your values and then integrating. So my role is 
as director of team member experience. It was really, we created this internal role mm -hmm. to integrate our, we have 10 core values, um, the, our other concepts only have five, to integrate the core values into every system and process of the business. So these are living words and philosophies and things that like aren't just in your welcome packet or part of the recruitment video. This is like who we are and this is scalable culture, right? Mm. So, so yeah, I mean, if, if we've all, if we all say, I can, I made this decision or I'm having this conversation and I can like, like lean on this value, uh, that's, anyone can understand that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, even raising my daughter, we have our family values, you know, we've got them on the whiteboard and I'm sure they'll change over the years. But I, 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 I like, I like that when it comes to explaining people, uh, you know, what is going on with the business and why a business decision is being and how it might make people feel. Yeah, yeah. Sure. I like what you said about scaling values as well. And like keeping that in mind, I would say now that you're sort of a polyventurist, right? So you've got many different ventures. Now that you've gone, not just in dry bar, you've now got squeeze. And so I'm like a polyventurist. This is blowing my mind. We <laughs> <laughs> heard this word a couple, a, a couple months ago. We thought it was good. So um, I'm curious, why did you decide to become a polyventurist and then sort of dive into different realms, taking to squeeze and wh wh why were you drawn to that? Well, none of us were ready to do it again. So <laughs> mm -hmm. we had an, an amazing woman. Her name's Brittany Driscoll. She was our a VP of marketing at Dry Bar and, you know, helped us open what, like 80 or hundred locations, whatever it was, she's wow. a rock star. Mm -hmm. um, she wanted to do something, you know, on her own. And, you know, we, we all knew that she had the skill set to do more than marketing. So had pitched her this, you know, massage concept and, uh, and she went for it. So that, that was amazing <laughs> in terms of like being a polyventurist. It is none of these, am I raising my hand for to say, I'm ready for another day-to-day -day version mm -hmm. of dry bar. And I might be one day. I've got a lot going on with with my daughter, and, and that is really my priority until she's in kindergarten because so much is her experience leading up to until she's in school full time. And I'm like, I don't want to look back and and think about that chunk of five years. Like I've already had enough chunks of five years, have learned so much, grown so much, still have more to do, still have the fire in me. But for this little chunk, from you know birth to five it, that's just something I've felt strongly about I don't know just that's my gut but there's no, I didn't read it in a book anywhere <laughs> but but yeah for you know for these other concepts or even to just go and you know study yoga teacher training to yeah. help contribute to the infrared yoga concept um it's it's finding the right partners and also like empowering them and saying, you, you know, I'm here for anything, lean on me, ask me, um, like, I'm like, here, how can I help? But also when you do it and you're running with it and it's yours, you're earning it. And you're the only person like Brittany, if you guys ask me, Hey, like, let's do a podcast on squeeze. I'd be like, let's bring Brittany in. We can be the four of us, but yeah. you know, her ability to speak to the intimacies of starting that business that's her, mm -hmm. you know, we all contributed in our, in our own way, but, um, but yeah. And the same thing with, um, okay humans. And that's the talk therapy concept and Christy Desai is the name of the woman, um, leading that. 
I love um, this idea of being able, I feel like whenever we talk to polyventurists or people who are like multi-hyphenated, uh, one of my favorite questions to ask is kind of like, how do you, how do you do it all? The Google calendar? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I love having a plan, being organized. I think it's really important for me to personally to exercise, to, to start my day clear. Yeah. And then I feel, you know, really energized to just get things done. And I would say like <laughs> the better question for, for me is like, how did I wrap my head around spending so much time with a child? Uh, <laughs> because that, that was the difference. It was like, I could get stuff done. Like I've done that my whole life. So it was, you know, again, having a plan, staying organized and, you know, maybe factoring in some cushion in case things were taking longer than they need to, or there's an emergency, a hiccup, and you have to plan for that in, in the retail space. Mm -hmm. um, otherwise you'll, you know, get four hours of sleep at night, but spending time, you know, with a child and not having that sense of productivity or getting it done yeah. or like doing my next thing, mm -hmm. um, or being there more day-to-day -day for any of, of our concepts that was, you know, just me in my head. And then I just you've reframed it. And I'm like, I just get to hang out with a drunk person, you know, and she's so crazy and fun and, you know, pees sometimes. And, you know, uh, I get to feed her, you know, it's just like, <laughs> she's so silly. Um, so now I'm just like, yeah, like, it's just like, like, what if I just like hung out with someone, you know, for half of a day every day. Um, but, but yeah, that was a huge thing to, to kind of get past. Yeah. I like what you said about hiccups and having that cushion as well, because it feels like sometimes we can both literally live paycheck to paycheck, but also sort of metaphorically, meaning like you've got back-to-back -back meetings. If you don't nail this, you're not doing this. It just feels like you're always on this like endless treadmill, treadmill, this hamster wheel, whatever you want to call it. So that cushion is super, super important. And, and the, not to interrupt you, but like, that's, that's when you'll start to miss things. Yeah. You know, it's, if, if, whether the cushion is, it becomes like meditation or reflection, mm -hmm. or like, let me just turn everything off and make sure I'm still using my brain and, and zooming out to, mm -hmm. to say, am I, am I really seeing anything that's a potential threat or am I, is there an opportunity that I'm missing yeah. just because I'm so crowded, you know? Wow that hit that hit a hit close to home I feel like um <laughs> these last couple of weeks have just been absolutely crazy I feel like um I'm someone who like I I love to structure my day like in the past year like 30 minute intervals like every 30 minutes of my day was scheduled out for something productive mm -hmm. and I felt like either a I was always disappointed because I was never getting as much work as I wanted done or b if things went not to plan I was frustrated about life not going exactly how I wanted it to and so I feel like when you're like in a day and like you're in those 30 minute intervals, it's really hard to take a step back and not feel like, um, like everything is like happening all at once. And like every house is on fire all at once. But, um, I love this idea of just being able to have that cushion time and being able to just like zoom out and be like, is everything okay? Like, am I still functioning? Do I need to be doing all of these things? So yeah, that, that one, that one hit close to home. <laughs> <laughs> And I think it goes Good. back to this idea of like investing in yourself as well. 
Like we think I'm seeing a common theme from dry bar to squeeze to um, just all the concepts that you're working on. Like there's this idea of investing in a company that invests in yourself. And I think Waylon has this wonderful quote that she shares that you are your own startup and like you should share the love and care. You should give yourself the support. You should give yourself the financing, the rest, the growth that any startup or company should work on. So I think that's so amazing, but it also sort of ties into the role that I hear you had at DriveArt, which is the team experience. What does that mean? And why do you think founders and leaders should invest in the team experience? So for any retail concept, you your business is your people or service, you know, oriented concept. So just like, you know, we were talking about the feeling of walking into a dry bar and we can use words, but what is going to matter at the end of the day is the, is the human beings in the space. And it can be as pretty and smell so good. And, um, you know, the music can be amazing, but it comes down to that. So, you know, going back to prioritizing the team member experience and having a plan as to how we make sure that's actually happening mm-hmm. um, in the field is that that's what, you know, it was my job to do. So there's, you know, a whole playbook that I have for, you know, our team member experience and how to make sure that as a leader, you know, you're doing these things. And by doing these things, this is always going to benefit the team. And then I think also creating, uh, when I say like a safe space that we, we as an organization feel like feedback is a gift. So if the people working for you feel like they can say something and they're heard, or if it's not the best place to work one day, that they're able to share that. And so it's just, it's, you are curating an ecosystem of the team member experience for the purpose of the business, because if the team members are happy, they're loving their job and they see a bright future with Drybar, then our guests are going to have great blowouts. They're going to like the vibe. They're going to come back. And uh, that's, you know, the cycle that we want to create. Um, I love that. And I feel like um, every retail brand should definitely take that team experience is so important and really see that like making a team happy and really valuing what your team is feeling has like a direct output to like what your customers are feeling or a direct output in um, whatever like your end product is. So I definitely resonate a lot with that message. Kind of um, switching it up a little bit, but you mentioned that you love to DJ and I'd love to know more about why you started, how you're continuing kind of that venture of yours and what we can look forward to from your DJing kind of, yeah, expertise. <laughs> Um, I will totally share all of that with you. I do want to give you one example of a program at Drybar, and I, I, w- I think this would go a long way if a lot of companies went to this level of detail, and it was very time-consuming, um, but it made such a difference. Anytime uh, a team member would get a five-star Yelp review, they would get a personal uh, well, another program was Heart and Soul Note Card. So our values are called the Heart and Soul Drive Bar. Um, and they're a peer-to-peer tool to recognize people living the values. So we had a digital form. We had them physically in the shop. Um, so they, but if you got a five-star Yelp review, it didn't matter, company on store, franchise, you would get um, a, a note from, 
from me, I, you know, it was, it was a PDF, but it would recognize you for the review. It would have the review attached to it and it would have the entire executive team CC'd on it. Uh, like I said, it was time consuming, but I mean, people were like so excited to get that recognition and get an email like that. And to just know that, you know, we care and we're paying attention and we're so proud to have them on the team. Wow. I love that. Like the anyway. attention to detail that I'm hearing from you is just so, so amazing. I'm reading this book right now called, um, I'm Sur- surrounded by idiots. And it's kind of, <laughs> kind of ironic because the idea is there's like four different personality types that they like a red, blue, yellow, and green. And there's four different personalities. And the idea is like anyone who's not like you think they're an idiot, but the idea is like, obviously there's always going to be someone who's an idiot in the room. And I think one of the ones blue or something is that I was reading today is someone who pays such curated attention to detail. And I really, really see that in you. I think it's the little things that people remember, like even in the way that people communicate, people remember the stories. You might not remember the facts and figures, remember the stories and the little details, the little personal touches, the, the metaphorical and quite literal chocolate on the, on the pillow, things like that. Yeah. What's making a really, really wonderful impact with dry bar and just everything you kind of touch. I feel like I can't go on before asking. And and that's our founder team. I mean, that's all of us. So, and and one of our squeeze values is the little things are the big things. So it, you know, we, we kind of have that um, mantra and incorporated into the values of about for businesses, but I, I mean, I could not agree more. And um, and we live in the world where a detail details matter because the tech side and the obvious reminder where you're just like getting like the happy birthday text from your business because you're in a computer system and yeah. like that doesn't mean anything anymore. No, yeah. not at all. Um, as lovely as this conversation has been, we are going to get started with our wrap up questions. We've got a couple for you. I'm like, I'm like, we don't, we didn't even get to DJ. I know. We're, we're no, all, but this is actually, this is the personal, personal wrap up question. Oh, perfect. Actually. Okay. I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> I can't go on without asking you, what are the three artists that I should be listening to right now? Who should I be having on my Spotify reboot? Tell me. Oh my gosh. Wow. I did not expect a question like that. I mean, I could give you, I'm going to give you three songs. Sure. Uh, not three artists. Outlaws, Rick Ross. Okay. Fire, if you haven't heard it. Love it. I just am familiar with this song. It's called Blake's View by M. Ward. Okay. Gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous. Um, very philosophical. Uh, a nice reset. And then, oof, what's going to be my last one? Ah, this song I've just been obsessed with for a, mile, for a while. It's called Many Miles by Sirens of Lesbos. Love it. Oh. So check it out. Yeah. No, I definitely, definitely. We'll have them linked below as well. Anyway. Okay, fun. That's so exciting. Um, but yeah, I guess we can circle back. I'd love to know, give me your like top tip for anyone who wants to start DJing. One, never be intimidated by DJs that are like mixing in and out of songs uh, every minute. Uh, one, a lot of people don't even enjoy that that much. Um, mm-hmm. But two, it's, it's so much about song selection and you having a vibe and being able to count music. So, you know, just like anything else, dedicate a certain amount of time to it. There's, you know, you can get startup gear for like under $600 and, um, and, and just start practicing and chip away at it. That's what I did. I just, I woke up extra early every morning for like a year and would practice before I went to yoga and then work. So I just, but you have to kind of get hooked. You'll either get hooked or you won't, but I, I really loved being able to weave music together and make something that was just 
a little more cinematic and tight than like a, you know, a mixed CD. Um, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I got the bug pretty quickly. That's so cool. Um, so with this in mind, things that you love, things that you enjoy, what is something that you love about yourself today? Oh, wow. I, I, I don't know. I, I love that I'm a grateful person. I, I, I like feeling that way. I like that relationship I have with my uh, spirit. Yeah. Well, that leads us perfectly to our next question. What's something that you're grateful for today? Oh gosh. Uh, well, my, my family and I'm grateful to be safe. I, I told that you guys, we had some fires in my neighborhood. So yeah, just you know, being here and being able to do this, um, and, and really, you know, just the special people in my life. It's amazing. And to finish us off, what does it mean to you to be an entrepreneur? Uh, to, you know, live a life of open-mindedness with some risk and reward, hopefully. Let's <laughs> <laughs> hope so. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for joining us on the Entrepreneurs Podcast today. We really appreciate hearing your stories and having a laugh with you. Um, for our audience who want to continue to follow your journey and Drybar's journey, how can they do that? They can follow me on Instagram. I am DJ Sarah Hutnick. That's S-A-R-A-H-H-U-T-N-I-C-K. And we are at the dry bar, your drybar.com. If you're interested in checking out squeeze as well, um, we are actively franchising and I'm really excited to see what happens to that concept now that we're on the other side of the pandemic and that's at squeeze massage. So yeah, thank you guys for having me. This was really fun. And I hope thank I you so much. I hope you <laughs> soon come to Paris. Please tell me you'll open soon here. I want to try it. Yes, that would be amazing. I would love that. <laughs> Thank you so much, Sarah. We loved having you on. And that wraps it up for today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope hearing about Sarah from Drivebar educates and empowers you to turn your passions into a business venture. If you like this episode, subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening to this podcast now. Even better, leave us a five-star review and share your thoughts on the podcast. Want to get in touch, send questions, or suggest a guest? We read every one of our emails and DMs, so please reach out to us using nihow at entrepreneursnetwork.com or the Entrepreneurs Network on LinkedIn and Instagram. You can also check the show notes for more ways to chat. The Entrepreneurs Podcast is just one of the podcast shows under the Entrepreneurs Network. Each podcast show explores its own niche of women entrepreneurs. For our other shows, head over to our website, entrepreneursnetwork.com. Thank you to our amazing team at the Entrepreneurs Network, especially today's podcast producers, Shandi and Stephanie.